Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, August 15th, 2022. Today on the Ether, CFI chats gaming, NFTs, and KDA with the boys from Arcade. Let's take a listen. Some folks are kind of rolling in a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure people will trinkle in as we get going here. You're going to hear me slurping on my Coke and my Chick-fil-A fries here because <laughs> trying to catch some dinner in between here. Uh, are, are you an, are you a are you a Chick Fil A large fry guy, or you just stick with the medium? Oh shit! I've been watching. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gaining too much weight anyway, so I'm getting the medium. Really, I shouldn't be any fries. Really, quite frankly, at this point. <laughs> no, no, I'm I, I'm I'm all for the medium Chick Fil A fries because I feel like the large is a scam. But uh, man, I, I might go there Listen, after man, this call. I my hot take is Chick Fil A is nothing without their sauces. That's my hot take. Without the sauces that they offer. The Chick-fil-A opened up by our house. And, um, you know, it's almost like the last couple of years we're all Chick-fil-A'd out. Yeah. So to some extent, I'm like, I don't know. It's sort of like average shit. I'm not that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over time, you just get like familiar with it. And you're like, it's just chicken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And after a while, you're also like uh, the, well, now that the cost of it's gone up or everything's gone up too, you're like, I don't know. Do I need to. You know, freaking twelve dollar value meal or whatever. Oh you man, know. I don't know. If you have Especially if it's canes. not that great. If you have raising canes where you are, but it's the same thing with that. Like, yeah, they're all understand. about the sauce though. But I'm not a huge sauce guy in there. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not the biggest canes fan myself. I like Five Guys though. You're a Five uh, Guys guy. Too sauce. Yeah, because it's got because it's got like fresh beef there, right? Right. Anytime you're not frozen first, it's way better. We're all California guys here in Arcade, so we're all the in and out truthers. Yeah, I'm going to be heading to California on Thursday, actually. Nice. Um, We're going to be doing uh, the rounds over there in San Francisco area. Uh, I've got some family stuff hanging out over there. It'll be fun. Yeah, hopefully weather's good. I'm not too far from San Francisco right now. I'm actually in the... In the Napa Valley, wine. Company. Oh yeah, nice. Sure, sure. Big docks. <laughs> I'm in, uh, I mean, I'm in I, Santa Monica. Knows who I am, so. <laughs> I'm in Santa Monica. If you guys make it down this way. <laughs> yeah, I'll be all over that area. Uh, yeah, the uh, it's a fun, it's a fun area to kind of eat. What, so, what's good to eat out there lately uh, in the Bay Area? Oh, something really um, hot going on right now lately. It depends. Like if you want to get super foodie, you can go down that. That's like a whole different rabbit hole to go down. But if you just want to like get constantly good food, I always suggest like hitting up the Hillstone group. So uh, Hillstone mm. in San Francisco is always good. If you want to get touristy, I'm a big fan of Trisha's mini donuts on Pier 39. Um, there's Trisha's really mini donuts. Okay. 
Oh, there's yes. the alpha. So that's the alpha people are looking for. Name dropping. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> give Pier you thirty nine. Pier thirty nine restaurant. Oh. Well, I got to jot these down because I'm going to be out there, like you know, eating and stuff. So I like to go. Like if I'm going to San Francisco, a place like that, I like to kind of uh, go the foodie route. Um, you know, just because why not? Like the United States is like all chained out, right? So like you, you can eat the same shit everywhere, pretty much. Otherwise, exactly. Uh, but San Francisco is great for food, so. Yeah, great I'll, Asian uh, cuisine too. I don't well, know. Good like, oh, yeah. for you and, and send you a message of it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we, uh, folks are kind of rolling in. We can kind of start chatting about things. Um, so I, I don't really know very much about you guys. Uh, I think you were what launching on Katie Launch, and the guys asked me if uh, I wanted to kind of host an interview with you guys. I was like, Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do something. Uh, so that's how this all got put together. We're just kind of hanging out, chilling for the evening. Yeah. Um, so welcome everybody and uh, maybe you guys can introduce each of yourselves and kind of uh you know get us rolling yeah, yeah, yeah real, we, real we, quick Zephy. Oh, um we we're actually formerly we're the known as the cadenables bro <laughs> oh okay so we, we've done these calls yeah <laughs> so i was like wait a minute <laughs> yeah we're so, the same i was guys. like wait i recognize the voice but i'm like who the hell am i talking to <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did a little rebranding because our main product has been arcade and we brought on some other projects onto our launch pad so we kind of wanted to uh to represent our brand as more than just our initial nft drop as that's just a bit you know small part of our our much larger vision so uh yeah i would love to to chat now, it up more about is this the same is this the same arcade where you know there was the competitions yeah last we a couple the months olympics yep. yeah, yeah the olympics yeah, yeah. olympics okay yeah, just so making we, sure it's the same we thing. started off as a cadenables and we just felt like the natural progression to this gamified nft platform known as the arcade on cadena made so much sense and the nft still plays a very large part in it you know we're rewarding our holders and people that minted um i don't know if we've spoke, hopped on a call since our 80s mint we minted in june sold out in 14 hours and then it's just been uh update and feature after feature since we've got the launch pad now we've got three kda projects minting currently we got the komodos the punks and the lazy apes minting on our launch pad and then we have our marketplace which is the first marketplace on cadena for cadena nfts and that's really exciting as well right now you could trade your bulls or buy a bull if you didn't snag one during the mint back in june um so yeah there's a lot going on and then we've got our ido coming up uh here so we've we've been you know all gas, no brakes. Even though you know, Cadena's no gas. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so the the no gas. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the like, uh, what is the um? So you've got the NFT projects, you've got the arcade. Are they linked in some way, or are they just totally different things? Just same group of guys. Oh, they're all interlinked. So we have our white paper on site that kind of um, really gives a deep dive of how everything is interlinked. But just to like give everyone the skinny. So our marketplace, uh, each transaction on the marketplace is a 2% fee. This is just like an example. 0.5% of that goes back into uh, our pool that gets paid out to people that hold our arcade token. And then there is the wagering aspect. So we have the casino currently under maintenance because post-IDO, it's going to be uh, wagering in the arcade token itself rather than KDA. and 
all of the house treasury is going to be paid out to holders of bulls. So it's all interlinked, and then you can earn arcade through the various games. We actually just released our first trailer. I'm going to try to pin it to the spaces. So bear with me here. I'm, uh, there we go. Yeah, so we j literally just released our first trailer for the Super Bowl game, which we're going to release post-IDL. You'll be able to earn arcade directly through the game. You'll earn stars, similar to how you earn stars now uh, to earn whitelist spots. But rather than earning whitelist spots, you'll be able to swap your stars for arcade. We haven't disclosed the swap rate yet, but that's it's it's the next step in the arcade right from that web 2 version of earning whitelist spots uh minting the nft to you know web 3 play play to earn arcade and we plan to integrate the projects on our launch pad into our arcade as well so there's just so many ways that nfts are interlinked into the arcade uh and the arcade token itself just to kind of give you that brief rundown but yeah the white paper explains it a lot better than I can in like three minutes. <laughs> so how are you guys now? I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but like a question regarding, uh, you know, like coins that like earn yield or accrue value or whatever. Um, like, how do you guys plan on avoiding any kind of issues regarding like uh, securities rules and this and that? Are you guys, is this just going to be like a full anon group? And so it's like, whatever. Are you going to host it like outside? Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, you know, so are you going to host this on Flux or something and just like, you know, give people yeah, the middle finger? Yeah, we actually are. The, we just joined give the, the man Flux the middle team. finger or what? Like, what's the thing? Yeah, we just joined the Flux team and we're dotting, you know, crossing our T's, dotting our I's with legalities. That's why we took down the casino because uh, wagering in KDA, which is considered a security token, can run into issues with the SEC. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that, you know, first and foremost, our community is protected and second, the business is protected. So we're, we have a legal counsel, we have legal advising and their recommendation was to launch your own token. It'll give you a bit more flexibility and let you work in a bit more of a gray area when it comes to, uh, the play to earn aspect with the arcade. Interesting. So it's like you're, you guys are just sort of like uh, figuring out the waters as you go and, you know, uh, basically have to kind of shift gears if certain rules or whatever uh, come yeah, into play. Yeah, so yeah obviously if like a regulation comes into play that we have to take into account, we're going to absolutely like take it into so account. Is your, is your whole team like self-funded or did you guys like get outside funding? Like how, how do you guys keep the lights on? You guys yeah, have like your own jobs and you're doing this on the side or what? Like, what's your Yeah. Thing? So, uh, me, Norris here and Patrick, we doxed ourselves about a month ago. This like funny full house docs video. I can pin it to the spaces as well. If people want to check that out. Um, we've been doing this all on our own the last six months, fully funded by ourselves. Uh, Norris, picked up Pact in March. He's our he's been our only dev. We just onboarded a dev, a game dev lead a few months ago to help build the game that you guys see in the pin tweet. And we also brought on um a cybersecurity uh expert to help us with like, you know, bugs and glitches once we do 
eventually release the beta because we don't want exploits within the game because it'll be play to earn at that point. So we want to make sure it's bulletproof. Uh, there's no way of exploiting it and, you know, draining any funds. So we are slowly bringing on more people, which is really exciting. We also have our artist, which is amazing. Uh, her name's Carrie. She designs all the bull arts, the PFPs, Norizzi and Patrick are rocking. She designed uh, all the bulls you see. Um, we have a few other people that we work with, like a content writer. His name's Carlos, who's amazing. He helps us uh, come up with like the clever tweets and the clever <laughs> copy that you see on our site and in our white paper. Uh, but mostly it's been me, Norris and Patrick here, just picking ourselves up by the bootstraps <laughs> and building all of this internally. He's kind of yeah. like, uh, you're, you're sort of working, uh, as a team kind of, I don't want to say for free, but you're, you're basically putting your time in at this point and, oh yeah, you know, yeah. we hoping all grew for more of the long term success. We oh, you grew did. up okay. together. So it's like, we're friends. We've grew up playing video games together that's kind of where the idea sparked with the cadenables initially uh we were like celebrating the nostalgia of the 90s and the games we grew up with the tv shows movies we grew up with uh and we all have uh a background in mathematics and uh computer science and like finance so we kind of just came together as this uh hive mind and uh, me and Norris, we went full full time into it uh, two months ago. We both quit our jobs, our full time jobs. So, like, we're fully dedicated to building the arcade and building like the best gamified platform on Cadena. Um, and that's really like this is our full time job now. Yeah, yeah very nice. Go ahead. Just to kind of add to that, sorry, Sefi. Um, as uh, Alaf had mentioned, we all grew up together and like our day one vision, we just kind of were thinking about all the things that we loved about both like technology, NFTs, nostalgia, everything. And we were like, let's and let's take all of these elements and put them into like one idea. We'll figure out our utility kind of as we go, which is what we did with the Cadenables and found our identity within the space and figured out what we liked, what we didn't like what the community wanted and needed. And um, that's just kind of been the the roots. And since day one, um, I, my background, so I have a bit of background in finance, startup scaling. Um, like I, I've had a couple exits in the web two world, but that doesn't really correlate over to web three. So these two guys kind of brought me in and I brought my experiences with just that whole world and kind of brought it to arcade. And we've just kind of been building from there. And it's been really fun to build alongside these guys and learn as I go. Um, but that's kind of like the origin of how it's all started. And it's, it's completely bootstrapped. There's no outside funds. There's no credit lines. There's nothing. We have a lot of things in place. Like since day one, um, we've been like, even before people knew this, we had a C corporation in Delaware that's been situated since the start. Um, various different, like various different things just through the, through like kind of le the legal structures that I've known in web two. Um, so we've been from day one preparing to take the next steps and put ourselves in position to be ready uh but yeah it's like just, to build out an actual company and uh like start from the beginning to be kind of scalable from those perspectives correct yes and uh we kind of viewed like our nft we're like we love nfts we love what we can do with them we love gaming let's find a way to embed our nfts into gaming and let's find a way through our nfts to scale our company and continue to build and offer all these different things so from day one we've just had so many different ideas bouncing off the vision board and 
a lot of pivots from day one. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but like I, I, I ordered like a 3D printer and I was like, I had this giant 3D printer in the living room with Norris and Aloft and we were trying to figure out a way to like make action figures with like, it, it's it's been such a crazy process to where we are now, but we've always known that like we wanted to be here. So it's like really humbling and exciting just to look back at the, all the progression and pivots we made over the last nine months. Yeah, maybe you guys can uh, each do a little round robin here of like what were some of the maybe video game influences that uh, kind of uh, maybe either not necessarily inspired th these projects specifically, but maybe like just inspired you guys in general. Like, what do you guys like? Right. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, um, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I got too excited. No. I'm like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I like my alias snow like i'm i'm known quite well in like the certain worlds of like diablo 2 runescape uh cs 1.6 like that era that's kind of how i first came up with my alias so in between like in between calls in the beginning like i was playing like cs assault on cs go in between games de dust 2 deathmatch uh i was so excited about diablo 2 resurrected um a lot of like crazy independent steam games that i could i can drop but the list is just way too long um, I brought over, I have like a collection of Nintendo 64s and I brought one over to uh, a loft in uh, Norris's house and I earned 120 stars on Mario 64 and like record time to like unlock Yoshi on the top. So like all these elements and just like everything like gaming like is all, it's been like kind of like our identity from day one. Um, but the inspiration I think would come from probably with our current game, um, I would say it, it pays homage heavily to like the the retro 80s. So like a little bit of um, Metroid, a little bit of Super Mario to an extent. Um, there, there's a few other things, but a lot of the mechanics itself, I would say that are to come are probably going to be more relative to like the in-game aspect of like either old school RuneScape, Diablo, or maybe even like uh, how you can like trade knives on like CSGO. Like, but that's just something way down the line that we haven't really elaborated on and i know noreezy can kind of go a bit more in depth with that but that's just some of like our day one inspiration that we're like on our vision board that i was like we have to incorporate these like there's no way we don't right and to add on to that like we our whole intention here too from the very beginning has has been to to really incorporate nostalgia because we believe how powerful that is and and not to get too emotional or anything but there is something you know very very emotionally powerful about nostalgia right it brings us back to a time where we didn't have as many worries uh depending on of course how everyone grew up but there was a lot more it's kind of like why it's kind of like why top gun 2 is so popular now because right. back when it came out like i wanted to be a fucking fighter pilot the minute i saw the movie right <laughs> i haven't seen this i saw the first the first one is such a great movie i haven't seen the second one yet Oh, it's it's a it's definitely a yeah, it's a great movie. You should definitely see it. Anyway, exactly. side side note here. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's really inspiring, right? Like when we were kids, we were so inspired to be whatever we wanted to be, do it. Like we didn't have as many limits imposed on us or limits that we had created ourselves. Um, and that's why we want to create a story. First off, with our NFTs, right? We have our three drops that we've talked about from the beginning. We've done the 80s drop, and then we're slowly progressing into the 90s, right? Into a 2D version of those 80s ones with more 90, 90s references. And then we go into 3D with the 2000s bulls. So we want to take a similar approach with the game as well. So we start out with a very simplified side-scroller game that really brings us back to when we were much younger and then slowly progress that type of game and add more games um, to kind of mimic the same progression that we 
that we all experienced as kids yes. from going the, from the, six the to experience seven. the experience back then was um the game design was if you died you start over from the beginning there was not like saving and shit right that was the big yeah. oh that was brutal <laughs> Oh, oh man, I forgot what game leave, it was. I was leave the game on for twenty four weeks. Just oh, oh, yeah, right. Leave uh, or like the, mean, the, the, the like winning was flipping the game. Remember, like you, it's like you either got to the point <laughs> where the the console didn't have enough digits left in the score, so yeah. the fucking thing flipped to back to zero, or <laughs> back to or zero, B, yeah. yeah, or B, it just got so hard because it got harder and harder as each like reiteration came around that you just basically got you died eventually, like in Tetris or something like that, right? So. Uh, yeah, th- I think my favorite games um, over the years, um, I was not, I, I knew of RuneScape all along. I was not heavy into it, uh, but I was more in the EverQuest uh, kind of nerds, uh, really big in that. Like I was like, I think I had the top character in EverQuest in that particular class in the whole, in the whole world, like out of like half a million people. So it was uh, so basically a definite nerd in, in that. And then uh, some of the guys that uh, I used to be in guilds with went on to build uh, World of Warcraft, for example. Uh, so I've been around for a while. And then uh, I didn't really play much World of Warcraft, though, although there are some characters in the game named after me, not after this uh, uh, Twitter handle, but after my like video game handles from EverQuest and such, which is kind of fun to see that. So they kind of like, I guess, paid homage to some of their friends in previous games and like, really, really that's yeah, that's like made, awesome. made character names. I'm like, holy shit. Years later, I played. I'm like, holy shit. They use my name in here. I know who that's I know who awesome. did that. But anyway, but yeah, that was kind of fun. And then um, some other, uh, you know, some other franchise I like, obviously, I like Fallout since I've got Vault Boy on my little you know p you know like my yeah i don't yeah. have an actual pfp Fallout's it's just a great my, game <laughs> this is my copy and paste pfp from google images um anyway uh but yeah fallouts the, i like the ethos of it i like that kind of apocalypse thing and back in the 80s no actually early 90s i think was wasteland you know fair and brigo i think they're from like where were those guys from i think either from nevada or from california one of the two anyway but like the wasteland series was like a really good one back then um, some of the side profile games like Silphied, I don't know if you guys remember that on PC, maybe, maybe you guys before your generation, I don't know. That's when like VGA graphics came out and shit. Um, it's way back when, and that some of the side profile games and the top games, like remember we had like what commando and, uh, Akari warriors and all that shit on Nintendo. Uh, that was kind of fun. So yeah, I just, I totally remember the entire history of like gaming just because I was there for basically all of it. Like my dad got me on an Atari like 2400 that I used to play like in second grade before going to school. And he'd be up earlier than me, like at 5 a.m. and shit, sitting there playing on the Pac-Man. And, um, you know, like he wanted to get there before we did and then, you know, try to get to school on time. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyway, but yeah, the uh, yeah, I, I totally get the nostalgia component of video games because like there's only so many different types of games you can make. And at the end of the day, like better graphics doesn't automatically make a better game, as we all know. And a lot of times, like those X factors in games that make them really, really great have really nothing to do with graphics, actually. And, um, you know, like some yeah. Diablo 2, like you mentioned, even Diablo 3. I'm looking forward to the new, like whatever the latest Diablo they're coming out with. If they can get the damn thing released, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. I, uh, man, the Diablo itself, I can go down such a rabbit hole of good experiences, bad experiences. But I... I feel the same way as you with a lot of stuff. It's just like you have these games from our childhood that just like 
it really it kind of just shapes the way you think and live in a way i, I don't know it, it might sound a bit deeper than it is but for me like no it definitely Diablo, is the, the uh, games you play um become like part of how you think because you know you yeah. there's a whole strategy and a way of thinking that you adopt and like how you use your time because you know that shit takes time right so you are you your your brain is being influenced you know by for a significant period of time so no question the games you choose to play uh ultimately uh like shapes your mindset long term correct and and I, uh, it's really funny because uh a lot of like a lot of indoors know but the way I actually learned how to code back in the day was like playing around with like the uh, the MyGot Counter-Strike hacks and like the Diablo map packs and things like that. Like that's how I learned how to play because like how to like code and view lines of code and things like that when I was a kid, because I wanted to customize my experience as much as I could. And thankfully like that plus MySpace back in the day, making your own backgrounds, like lead you kind of into like uh, early interest in tech. I think and like a lot of people in our age era kind of understand that um but yeah man like i'm super yeah. excited for remember Diablo hacking 4. and cracking the whole oh. the whole uh you know like pirating middle video games and shit because you didn't have money to buy the real one so you download <laughs> exactly. like, modem and then you'd go in there and like you'd go to a board and find the you know the crack for it and then that crack would be out of date and you'd have to get the next oh, crack. Man. yeah is yeah that whole but you know what but like you understood how computers worked back in that day right like yep. now kids on ipads and shit don't know how anything works so you, like there's sort of like an early window into like the background of how a computer works when you're in like a dos based operating system but you have like no idea how things work when you pull up a game on an ipad if you're a fresh, <laughs> exactly right like your children have no idea now like like even remotely that there's like numbers and letters in the background making this all work exactly or zeros and zeros and ones <laughs> there's no right click there's no extract all there's no run as admin there's no like view the properties there's none of that so on an iPad, yeah, it's or, like a kid's or, not going to know what React Native or Swift is. They're not going to know how this. They're just going to see, oh, or, or remember, buddy, click. Yeah, or remember when you got your goddamn game? You got like the twenty-four discs, you know, and then you like loaded the thing up, and, <laughs> yeah. and you couldn't get the graphics card to work, right? Like, so you're like, oh, you're like getting special drivers, and then yeah. like that doesn't work. And remember how much work it took sometimes to get a game working? Oh man, it would literally yeah. come in like this metal thick box of like twenty-four discs and like a. Yeah, the twenty-four-page manual. <laughs> the worst. The worst was here. You are installing a game like your twenty-six discs in out of like thirty-four, <laughs> and like the twenty-fifth disc like uh, is corrupted, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Oh. Four hours later, you can't get the thing to work. Yeah, the beauty of these games, though, is like the mechanics. If you really, really look at it, haven't changed over time. Like the foundation of the games being built today even if like they're graphically intensive and they're built on like unreal engine 5 the mechanics themselves at the core are very very similar to the games we were playing in the 90s and the 80s and i think those are the games that really really succeed ultimately because uh you'll you'll get the one or two unicorn games like fortnite where like it introduces a new mechanic like building which like I can't even fathom, you know, like well beyond my skill level in terms of gaming. But you still have, like, I, br I bring this up in every call. The most popular game or one of the most popular games in the world is Minecraft. And Minecraft is at the core of such a simple game. It's a building block game. And people have taken it and built these, like, they've built these amazing biomes. They've built 
I'm pretty sure someone built a CPU like through Minecraft. Yeah, there's some, yeah, pretty epic uh, <laughs> builds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then you also have uh, Candy Crush. Candy Crush, my friend actually, our cybersecurity advisor works for Activision Blizzard. Um, he's given us so much advice on what makes a successful game. He said it's all about the simplicity of it. Like the biggest cash cow for Activision Blizzard isn't Call of Duty, isn't World of Warcraft, it's Candy Crush. And that's because anyone can pick it up and play Candy Crush, right? My 63-year-old mother can download Candy Crush on her phone and she can under this, understand the mechanics very quickly. She's not going to be playing Counter-Strike <laughs> anytime soon. Yeah, though. you know, and the thing is, like, the people, the people that grew up with, like, PC games uh, as opposed to, say, console games like Nintendo... Um, people that grew up playing a lot more PC games, uh, I think have the skewed view of, of the world, like PC games where you had to like install things and, you know, do a lot of setup just to get started to play. It really self-selected for a lot of nerds like ourselves. And, and it did self-select for like, um, a certain level of sort of like difficulty. And maybe it's like a quasi IQ test in a sense, just to play, right. You had to like be smart enough to get the goddamn thing to work and get your graphics card to work and whatever. So, you know, but it gave you a skewed view of the world. Like you would not have imagined had you been playing, let's say, I don't know, like, let's take, for example, a runes, uh, runescaper and EverQuest or something like that. You would not necessarily have imagined then that the most popular game for Activision Blizzard would be Candy Crush. You would not have like intuited this, if you are one of the nerd crowd playing these games, you would have figured it would be like the bigger version of EQ or bigger version of RuneScape or like a more graphically intense World of Warcraft or whatever. It's just certainly not like the way the world looks now compared to where like we thought it would be in terms of like the most popular games and whatnot. Um, it, it certainly didn't go the way I would have thought. I think that people at Nintendo, for example, uh, like some of the early creators of Nintendo, like Super Mario Brothers, et cetera, um, they had a bit better idea of like what the masses wanted. Uh, and like, to me, like I've never been a Nintendo guy, really. Like that's, you know, like some of the games I described, it's like, I'm not like, you know, like Mario Kart and shit like that. I see why people play it. I just like, it's not my thing. I don't like the, it's a little bit too basic in my, in my mind. Right. Like, so there's something yeah. about it that is, I don't know, so dumbed down and I wouldn't necessarily expect it to be as popular as it is. So I think we're constantly surprised about what actually sells and, you know, like what sells in mass. And that's, it's a lot of interesting lessons. Yeah. there. Yeah. A lot of it's driven by the community aspect too. These are like party games, right? Like you could sit down with a group of friends and just play Mario Kart, play Super Smash Bros. And you don't have to like, you know, put a lot of brain power into, oh, what are the best spots on this map for me to snipe from or best spot on this map for me to like where where can I go to trade this sword for this sword? Like No, that's a great point. Yeah, the what's party the game kind of concept. This? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I like that's what you said. Like Nintendo had the foresight, really, to hone in on those games, um, and I think we're seeing, you know, the Xboxes and the Sony, like the Microsofts and the Sonys, catch up because we're seeing a lot more games tailored to the party aspect. Uh, one of the bigger ones that blew up over the last year and a half was one called Fall Guys. I don't know if you know about it. 
but it's has seen it. like what, this, what's the premise the premise is like you're this little minion looking character super super simple and there's a um arena style survival map that you just have to place in like the top 30 and then top, it's like a survival uh i don't know if you've seen the show what's the show called on um abc the water one uh where you just like go through this course and you just survive it's like a survival oh, yeah, course yeah, yeah. right right survival yeah so course. survival course exactly a survival course and then if you finish it there's like four different phases and you have to finish like top 50 top 25 top 10 and then like top three uh and that game took off last year i mean it was like the most popular game across every single console it was the most streamed game on twitch and at the core of it it was such a simple game but it brought in that community aspect where you could just like pick it up and not have to worry about oh like how much catching up do i need to do before i'm competitive yeah maybe you guys can analyze for me what you think about just the nft slash gaming uh space when it comes to uh like the crypto arena obviously you guys are building your project uh there have been other things out there you know like little uh like 3d worlds like sandbox or maybe uh what's a decentraland there's uh other things like uh um axie and such uh you know there are a lot of mathematical problems with uh play to earn uh type models um in terms of sustainability that's kind of one set of issues but um uh w- which i think ultimately have um probably some new and kind of innovative solutions to make the game fun and sustainable I think those things um, will have to be built organically. And my my suspicion from that perspective is like, whatever that game is, like we just haven't seen it yet. Like whatever magic is going to happen um, in terms of game balance and everything else. It, uh, to me, I just haven't seen it yet definitively. Definitely. But but uh, like, where do you guys see this all going? Like I, I would love to see some kind of rational uh, like NFT RPG uh with maybe some like financial incentives baked in game yeah um i i I don't know how possible it is to do at this point and the reason for that is i can understand like if you're getting paid to create a game for example if you have a subscription model where you as the service providing a game are getting paid i get that because you know you have to have developers you have to make content you got to produce levels whatever right like in expansions so getting paid to create i think i fully understand paid to create levels paid to create content whatever paid to even maybe act in games like let's say i'm an actor at a bar like instead of going to let's say like um ultima online or a you know i'm you know showing my age here but like or uh but you know i don't know world of warcraft (laughs) or whatever you're actually like the barkeeper in the game you're doing like a little cosplay sort of thing and maybe like the people are tipping you at the bar because you're funny or some shit right uh like that would be an example of like a pay to like almost like how playwrights i'm not playwrights but how broadway works where you know like actors are essentially paid and and so you're basically being paid to work at that point similar to how creators work but the play to earn piece of the puzzle, I've never really fully, you know, uh, f- grasped. But anyone has a truly scalable model for that 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 right. um, doesn't create like mathematic problems as the game scales mm-hmm. and for gameplay and everything else. And maybe you guys have thoughts on like, like how do we get there with that? Like how do we create that 
those systems that are fun and sustainable long-term in terms of like scale and growth. Right. And I, I think what's cool and you bring up a really good point. Um, it, it's something that has definitely been my hesitation uh, even before creating this project, just at all investing within these, within these types of play to earn games. Um, I think what's unique about arcade is we are, Actually, I guess it's not that unique is because we are mimicking how a real arcade works, right? Like you go into an arcade, there are several games that you can play. You can earn tickets and you can turn those tickets for prizes. You can turn them in for more games that you can play, right? Um, and then that arcade itself has partnerships with, you know, games that want to come in and, and be a part of their arcade. They also do partnerships with other um, items that you can trade in your tickets for, right? So we're kind of um, mimicking that model and we're gamifying more than just the Super Bowl game. We're gamifying more than just um, the retro, the current retro style games that we have. So we have many different angles for people to be able to earn these rewards, um, such as our wagering games that we have um, and all the, the airdrops that are paid back to everyone participating within the NFT marketplace. Um, so they can kind of be a part of the marketplace. They can be a part of the house. So, um, I think that offers a, a unique angle to play to earn mechanisms in general, um, where it's like, they are, I guess, part of, the creation of it. Um, and on top of that, integrating these projects that do launch on our launch pad, uh, offering rewards for those who mint on there and then are able to have those uh, NFTs or those uh, have characters inspired by those projects that they mint also integrated within the game and being able to earn um, off of those NFTs as well. So we have many opportunities versus just hey, play the Super Bowl game, reach these different levels, and then that's the only way that you can earn, and then you're maxed out, and then now what? You have these tokens, and now what? <laughs> so um, I hope that answers your question. That makes sense. Yeah, and and just to kind of uh, to touch on that and add to what Norris has said, um, something that we talked about internally and that we're even trying to get away from is we like the phrase play and earn a lot more than play to earn because we feel like play and earn just opens up so many more possibilities in the realm of what we want to build and do. Um, one, like we want to, like usually it could be kind of like internalized and we discuss these things and we like separate it as like, this is the left side, this is the right side, this is so-and-so, but we we like, let's say that the left side of our company is Super Bowl, the game that we've been getting developed and working on and we're going to add in our own NFT characters Maybe we include our attributes down the line. So like maybe your bowl has a cigarette and is running with a cigarette. That's something that we talked about as well. But right now we're finding a unique approach to add utilities and bring others up with us within the eco space. So if you launch with us on our launch pad and you get through our, our process and everything like that, we essentially want to include and pay homage to all the people that were building with us. So we want to have you as either a playable character, maybe a villain, maybe a good guy, maybe a... a an in-game character, like we, we're, we're not too sure yet of that ins and outs, but that is something that we're really excited about. And it just finds a way to kind of bring the community together and work on that. Um, the other aspect of it is like, we understand that a lot of people are offering like some crazy RPG style play to earn, like play to earn games, whether it be sandbox, buying real estate and, you know, you're a realtor, even Grand Theft Auto right now, people are earning real income by like doing jobs on like modded servers, you know, like, the possibilities are essentially endless in terms of like 
how it works, but the integration between like Web3, blockchain, NFTs and all that, we and we'll, we'll be the first to admit, like all a lot of the business models out there, they're still in the phases of proving to work. So everyone's kind of beta testing, figure out what works, what doesn't work. And one thing that we discussed as well is like, you know, why what if we allowed people to earn enough in our game to buy an NFT? Obviously, that comes down to like people are going to be able to, you know, let's say that we listed an NFT for 30,000 arcade tokens. People would just do an equation to divide the amount that this that 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 is in KDA or US, whatever. And they'd be like, okay, so an ARC token is worth this much. And that's something that we wanted to avoid as well. So there's a lot of things on our whiteboard that we've really been focusing on, but I think the play and earn model is really good while finding utility from what we've built, what we're currently building, and then maybe having some form of incentive bonus for playing our game for a set hours weekly or, you know, partner games. Like these are just all things that kind of go around that we're focusing on and honing in on. Um, But like, we're, we're very far from being like, yeah, we have a full hundred person 3d studio. You can scan yourself as your NFT and go shoot zombies. Like that's not something that we're promising. (laughs) And yeah, that's just, no, that's I, just I think, being real. Think, no, I think the ar- arcade level uh, does make sense um, for a lot of reasons. You know, it like you do do what you do, uh, do it to the best of your ability, and and create that experience for the people that want that experience. Like you know, some people are building you know games that are like you know related to say football. They're not necessarily building RPGs. Everyone's got their thing. That's fine. I, I was just sort of like looking at the broader. Uh, context. I, I think uh, if you're, if, yeah, if you look at like an arcade mentality, I think the business model, like you said, has been there before. There have been, you know, literal physical arcades. There have been, you know, different sort of like, you know, coin op type, you know, games. There's also like small scale, like online, you know, either gambling or wagering on things like, let's say, you know, fantasy football and things of that nature. There's, so there's all sorts of, um, things that are codable um, and uh, can be done with small teams and, you know, create interesting content for sure. And then like the, the broader picture of creating more complicated things, like let's say an RPG driven by some sort of crypto uh, environment, that's not very easy to build. Uh, in fact, no way, yeah. if you look at like, <laughs> even, even the largest players like um, in the industry, like steam or, let's say uh, Activision Blizzard, um, nobody so far, and, and, and by the way, people at uh, Blizzard, you know, building things like Diablo have thought about game mechanics at a level that most people just cannot fathom. Like the amount of work it takes to get like Diablo 2 or Diablo 3 or something like that balanced well is actually really, really hard. And, that, and that's, that's without getting into PvP, just PvE, player versus environment is yeah. really hard to balance even if you start like creating multiple character classes you guys all know if you've played these things um it ta- like you know you 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 make one little change and all of a sudden the game is broken and like you know the yeah, yeah, this particular balancing the, yeah the, the ninja <laughs> is too powerful compared to the wizard yeah. oh man yeah that so, and that's I mean, constant that's like constant changes that need to happen iteratively with every update like you see it with call of duty you see it with diablo um and that's the insight we're getting from our advisor at Activision Blizzard. He's giving us all this information yeah. we're relaying it, over. That iterative <laughs> process, though, is tricky because, like, if you try to build, like, say, NFTs into a game, and those NX- NFTs are basically, they have, like, some sort of immutable characteristic. Like, let's say I get an NFT sword, right? And that sword has, 
you know, certain powers associated with it, certain stats and whatnot. Like, you know, maybe they boost the character stats and this type of thing. The problem is if you make an error in judgment in terms of how you release those, then the Correct. only option you have is to make all prior NFTs obsolete by getting a whole nother set Correct. of equipment that comes up. Yeah. And this is what we all know is like mudflation or multi-user yeah, domain yeah. And it becomes <laughs> yeah. like a problem where like every new like update to the game or whatever, you have to make everyone else's yeah. previous so shit obsolete, which for in an NFT situation, that's not really great because some people want the NFT's value to go up exactly. over time. And if it doesn't, is it as useful? Maybe yeah. it still is, but it it uh, so that's it, why we if we implement our NFTs in the Super Bowl game, it is going to be strictly cosmetic. So that uh, kind of makes that entire balancing act obsolete. So like uh, Snow was mentioning about like adding a cigarette, like that'll just be strictly cosmetic, just to make your bowl have a cigarette in his mouth while you're running right <laughs> so and it's, uh, it's so funny sorry Alof, i didn't mean to cut you off there um it's it's so funny you mentioned that Sophie, about imbalancing and gaming mechanics because like i said I, diablo is like my favorite one of my favorite games of all time and even a lot of the super super ogs in that game hated lord of destruction for them in place them having an enigma and then the druid and assassin classes were super imbalanced for pvp against the other classes because the druid had like so many things that could absorb magic and had summons so like pvp damage got deflected there were so many things of that but then that kind of shows yeah. where interestingly industry... I, i'm hoping that someone creates the, a really great uh, crypto based game yeah. that does not attempt to do both pvp and pve at the same <laughs> i am 100 yeah. percent convinced that the without machine learning doing the actual uh balancing that they simply will not be balanced because uh pvp and pve have different uh goal sets in mind in terms of player satisfaction and you can never ever uh make those two things reconcile in any meaningful way which is why, like in RPGs, for example, I've always enjoyed PVE with teams where, you know, like you, me, and a bunch of people go and, like, you know, kill some monster or something, right? Versus PvP, which I find is like is not advantageous to every character type. So, what ends up happening in PvP is when you balance your characters or your game content to PvP, what all of the characters end up doing the same thing, more or less. Like everyone has a ranged attack. Everyone has a defensive thing. Everyone has a healing capability. Yeah. And it homogenizes the entire goddamn What's thing. hilarious is it's called the yeah. meta, right? Like they're right. the meta of the game. <laughs> the meta of the game, yeah. Yeah, so people I, just chase I, I think, the meta. <laughs> yeah, I do think, uh, yeah, it ended up becoming like point and shoot became, or any ranged attack game became like a, cla a class of games where People that like fast twitch aiming and shooting and are good at that tend to go into that arena, like your your Call of Duties and whatnot. And then the people that are more into, say, player versus environment, like a maybe a World of Warcraft or a, a, you know EverQuest, things of that nature, people went into that sort of thing. Um, and then there are other games that, like, somehow, you know, even when they're broken, they sort of work. Like RuneScape was one of those where it had a really long longevity because like even when it's broken it's like that's a feature not a bug and <laughs> like it's it yeah it's been an interesting um sort of like history of gaming and i think it, there's probably you know books and shit written about this i have like entire college classes now i think but um <laughs> but uh yeah it's I, I i am curious to see like more 
of uh, more of that produced, like, yeah, both arcade style and, you know, a mix of that maybe simple arcade plus relatively simple RPG style. Um, and like, it almost, you have to start from scratch. Like imagine, I don't know if you guys, were you guys ever on like BBSs before? This is before like broadband and shit. You guys said you're from the nineties, but like at the the latter half, latter part of the nineties is where sort of like most people started getting broadband. Um, and before that, like people on modems and, you know, this type of thing, right? Like one of the things that was popular on bulletin board systems or BBS systems where you log in with a modem and some dude in his basement had his computer hooked up to his phone line (laughs) and you would like download some pirated shit off his thing and you would like play some games on his site. Some of the board, some of these bulletin board systems had little, what's called board games or not board games, door games. I don't know why they were called that, but you'd have like text-based games like RPGs and they only let you play a certain number of moves per time that you logged in in like 24 hours so like i think one of the famous ones is uh, uh legend of the red dragon and i was hoping like some of the uh teams like you get yourselves create something like this where basically it's like a game where you log in you can only do so many moves per day so you're not expected to do a whole lot you might attack a few enemies and get a few um you know experience points and things like that you save them up and the next day you come back so you got like back in the day when tech was really really um like not that impressive compared to today and graphics and shit wasn't a big thing some of those were really really popular um and fairly addicting you always you wanted to finish them to the end because they're 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 built so well Uh, and um you would basically play these things just like little beat each day because you couldn't you could only log in like maybe like, you know, 15 minutes anyway, because like, you know, you're going to get kicked off the BBS, the bulletin board after a while. So, you know, everyone logged in individually, like you couldn't log in like, you know, 100 members at once, like three people could log into this damn thing at one time, right to this dude's modem in his basement. And um, so these games are kind of fun in that regard and very limited, but in their limitations were actually interesting in that they made you come back day after day. And that's where the engagement comes from. Like, what, what are you guys doing from an arcade perspective to drive that? Like, like, what is the thing that makes me FOMO for more like tomorrow and the next day and the next day and want to play more? So we are doing stars. So you earn stars in the game. You don't earn arcade directly. So the earning stars kind of allows us, uh, Snow touched on this, Patrick, to scale outside of just our internal game and bring in partnerships and bring in other games that want to be a part of the arcade ecosystem, right? And with stars, it allows us to be very creative with how you can earn it. Say weekly challenges where, oh, if you go into Super Bowl and speed run this level or kill this many enemies in X amount of time, you'll earn this many stars. So we want the replayability factor to really, really be like uh, baked into the game, right? So you can always come back and find new ways to earn stars that isn't just going to be repetitive and monotonous. Like, oh, let me just replay this level over again and see if I can earn another star. Like, oh, no, let me go check out the weekly challenges board. And, hey, there's a challenge in Super Bowl where I can earn 15 stars if I do X, Y, Z. And then, what we, well, we haven't even mentioned this, but we want to bring in partners such as, uh, not, I mean, a Call of Duty is 
you know, <laughs> but just as an example, like say, oh, in Call of Duty, go in there and earn X amount of kills and you'll earn X amount of stars, right? So we want the star system to kind of like have its fingerprints across the gaming ecosystem as a whole, rather than just be within arcade, but you can always come back to the arcade and trade in these stars. So it allows you to broaden your horizon and not just be pigeonholed into playing Super Bowl and only Super Bowl. We intend to make Super Bowl the funnest game possible. Like we want you to be playing Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, but if it's not your cup of tea and say there's a uh, text-based RPG, which I've played many before, like there's some of my favorite games because um, it just kind of lets you explore the unknown and it's very, very imaginative. Uh, so if there is a text-based RPG that you enjoy playing, say we partner with the developers of that text-based RPG and you can earn stars in that game by doing XYZ. And it's directly linked to the arcade through either like Discord auth or some other back-end authorization that you don't have to worry about. So really that's where we want to scale this arcade so that like the gaming aspect is not just pigeonholed and you feel like you can truly like when you're a kid walking into arcade and there's an endless amount of games you can play. So it's like stars, uh, I guess the like equivalent of like the Chuck E. Cheese token at this point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Ultimately. Chuck E. That little bastard. <laughs> like, yeah. But scary yeah, motherfucker too. By we're the not going to force oh, you to yeah. go into Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Chuck E. has some demons. <laughs> His friends were scarier. His, yeah, he was there to like scare children. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I, I've, I, Norris and Alof actually know this. During the pandemic, I ordered a pizza from an Italian restaurant, and it was Chuck E. Cheese, but they had a different name on the ordering app. So, I, yeah, it, it was insane. It was called like it was the, uh, like the worst pizza on earth, right? Uh, honestly, you know, I ha- I've had worse. You know, you've had worse than Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, but Chuck E. Cheese. I'd, I'd get it again. <laughs> I stand by that. That's funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just, uh, like what Alaf was mentioning is just, it's so true. And, uh, the scalability aspect of what we're really trying to build here is just much deeper than our internal arcade, um, outside partnerships and incentive through that, whether it be weekly, monthly, um, partnership deals, whatever we want to kind of have a universal play and earn model that pays homage to what we've built, what we're building and what we're going to build. And for us, we are working out and ironing out all the kinks, but we think that we're in a really good place of, hey, let's not get it, get in too deep with our current model. Let's test. Let's see how it works. And we're just going to build from there. If, uh, I think Norris wanted to touch on this a little bit as well. But um, we just we we had this conversation earlier today just about having our model sustainable enough to make our community happy and then make us attractive to people who want to partner with us and build with us. And I think that we're in a really good place of that. But, uh, you know, like I said, there's a lot of, we, we really hate over-promising and under-delivering. We would really, we really just love to find that, that median of just, you know, I don't know, trying to, trying to bridge the gaps, but also be, be real with ourselves and our community and transparent. Yeah. We want to stay grounded. I mean, when we first set out to build this arcade, we, realized we don't have the resources to go out and build a skyrim build a fallout like it's us three let's stick to what we know and let's stay grounded and let's build something fun build something that's been around for decades and that's these 
classic arcade style games that people love playing and you could pick up and play whenever, right? You don't have to worry sure, about like not, relearning not the mechanics. Build, like, not everyone wants to build a mega corporation with teams of like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And to be realistic, if Activision Blizzard tomorrow wants to wake up, the CEO wants to wake up and say, "Hey, we're going to take over." metaverse gaming they have the resources to do it if rockstar wants to do that they have the resources to do it you know um when they eventually i mean it's the natural it would take take a couple years even with those types of resources to even drop a game like that yeah and we truly believe they will we truly believe they will it's the natural progression of gaming and we're seeing i I think i think it, it might be actually more probable that what will happen is is there'll be uh, smaller teams like yourself that will build some of the really, really fresh new NFT slash crypto um, related platforms. And a lot of times it's going to be a lot easier for uh, to get bought out by those companies who are already too entrenched in previous like investments and yeah. previous franchises, yeah. previous ways of thinking. And, you know, it, it probably will be more like crypto native folks that will develop that. I'm not so sure that the Rockstars and Activisions are automatically going to jump on that as a as like a first there will, yeah, choice. There will definitely be disruptors, such as every industry, when there is like a the be- Sorry. Go ahead. The best way that we, we summarize it is when you look at outside industries, such as like banking or like just fintech as a whole, even. A big thing, these companies like Chase and whatever, they came out with Zelle here in the US, which is like bank to bank. That they watched Venmo, they watched Cash App, they watched all these companies build these products and they just took, they just, they, they were kind of like a use case and they took what they were building, they sent that over and they built a product that, that was able to compete with it, but did it right. So they offered the consumer protection, they offered all these things. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, there's just there's so much there's so much to it. A lot of these companies just are kind of watching what we're building, kind of letting us test, and then we're gonna find that sweet spot as we're seeing now with like embedded finance of like Plaid and MX and Stripe of like embedded finance where these things are living within another native thing and they're leasing that out, and that's where the money is to be made. And that's just these are just some of the ways that we talk internally about everything and keeping our eye on industries outside of just Web three on its own and just looking at general business. And the state of things, and that's it, it's such an exciting time to build and to be part of Cadena and just be doing all of this. It, we we get we get excited every day to work up to wake up and like build these things. It's let me grab a couple of folks who've uh, hopped up here for comments, questions. I think action. Uh, did you have any comments, questions? Bro, I got comments all the time. Just let me know what you want me to talk about because you guys are Go nailing it. it from start to finish. I mean, you're talking about how easy it is to mess up a game. I mean, you got like, you know, Blizzard, for example, um, that, that that's crazy to think about, right? Like, yeah, th- now they're actually, you know, Activision, Bl- Blizzard, they got Warzone, all those things. Um, you got Heroes, like, for example, you know, so the 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 other League of Legends. I mean, the, uh, how often they're trying to do little updates to make sure that they're balancing things out. Like, that's wild. And you guys are dead on making sure that you're keeping things just um, off the blockchain when it comes to the gaming experience. And I think that's where you guys are going to win out in the end is making sure that people actually enjoy coming to your platform, actually enjoying these games. When you're talking about the longevity of your platform too, like if you think about it, you go back to games time and time again that offer you something. And like you see this across the board. If it's Heroes, for example, you have, you know, daily daily quests that you get, you know, you get up to three. And unless you complete one of them, 
Well, the next day you're not going to get an extra quest to get extra rewards. You got, you know, uh, Warzone where you have that same type of scenario where they want you to progress in the battle pass. Um, there, there's just so many options out there. Um, I don't see how you guys don't win with this and don't, you know, you just blow this thing out of the water because you're getting all the things um, that are important taken care of. You're looking in the right areas and you're not letting things just go by wayside. So I'm pretty pumped. I'm really excited. And I mean, add the, add the fact that you guys are building on you know, Kadena, like that's just a win all around. Yeah, great comments. Uh, uh, let's grab uh, Crypto Panda, see what uh, Panda's got today. Hello, Sefi. It's a pleasure to be here. Actually, I listen all of the topic that you have mentioned. But if you think about uh, the gaming sector getting to the the blockchain ecosystem, actually, I'm so skeptical because it's like an Occam's razor. There is a, two possibilities. One, the all of the metaverse and the, the game, the coins and the tokens will be blow up because everyone think like Activision or the Blizzard is the, the, the most suitable option to invest it. And uh, they will all gone like a rug pull. And the other option is they will uh, gain lots of investment because they will think like uh, the, even the Blizzard in the game sector head into the blockchain ecosystem. So we should invest these area instead of the DeFi or the layer. So I'm not sure what will happen. Yeah, well, what we do know about the uh, gaming industry historically is that um, we we made several points today, and that was like one is the games that are going to be successful are not always obvious up front. That's an interesting sort of like dilemma that, uh, you know, like which one's going to take off, which one's going to be popular, what's going to have the right mechanics that resonate with people, um, you know, what's going to like be just the right level of like I'm addicted, you know, to this game. Uh, like yeah. I've had, I've had some interesting like, you know, if you look at how much money the stupid Kim Kardashian game makes, it's obnoxious, right? Like, uh, like you got to hand it to that woman. Um, you know, like she's got like the, the amount of people like that want a paper doll game. Something so simple as that is remarkable. Um, so yeah, some of the some of the things in gaming, like yeah, like you said, you know, do they need blockchain? Do they need crypto? Do they need these things to be successful? Um, not necessarily. I think. Uh, that's why I keep saying like maybe the the unique features of immutability of what like NFTs have to potentially offer in terms of like uh, data points or data storage um, and, you know, the power of, say, community in terms of ownership and as well as financing the system. Um, this is where some serious changes can happen so that, you know, if you want to start a new uh, gaming company like these guys are doing then you don't necessarily have to uh, start out with mega money, nor do you have to automatically start out with like VC capital. If the community thinks your, uh, your team is hot shit and like there's cool games coming out, you know, they might buy, say, for example, the token or, you know, buy into some of the NFTs as a matter of just simply supporting the team and supporting that group, right? So, you know, it's like a microfinancing type of situation. And if you look at it globally, you know, a little bit of mic microfinancing that goes global can make a big difference to, especially to a relatively small team. Um, and, you know, instead of like, you know, digging around Silicon Valley, looking for someone to throw money at you, um, you know, the whole world is a pretty good oyster uh, in terms of like, uh, it's a big sea and, you know, a lot of fish that might bite, 
on your game. And it's, then it becomes a matter of like just marketing and getting the, the word out and the, all of those kinds of things. But uh, yeah, it, it, I think there are some, some elements of this where like you shouldn't try to reinvent the entire wheel. I, I think the metaverse, if you think about it, started, you know, really when people started writing on caves or writing in the dirt. As soon as you started having like non-biological uh, communication, where, you know, like hardware was involved, like dirt or cave paintings or telephones or telegraphs or whatever, what ended up happening was, is like uh, people started developing uh, games around each of those technologies and they kept building over time, you know, to what we think of today as like, you know, virtual worlds and all those kind of cool things. But really, uh, met the idea of the metaverse, like there, it, like it's not like economic theory is any substantially different in a metaverse context or in a video game context or in a real world context, it's all the same thing. It's people, it's supply and demand. It's people wanting to buy things that they want to play or buy things they want to own. And uh, like, you know, and they earn that money somewhere in a job or whatever, and they want to spend their money on something fun. Like whether it's to go to Chuck E. Cheese and, you know, like buy the shitty pizza that, uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, Patrick loves or, um, <laughs> or like, get ski ball ticket enough ski ball tickets to buy the little you know like you know the six billion ski ball tickets to buy a playstation at chuck e cheese um you know like it, there, there are so many angles to it and and real world economics and real world sort of like entertainment um ultimately translate to this world and i think uh uh you don't have to necessarily reinvent the entire wheel you just have to decide hey look like what do people want like how do we bring that to them and um, what do we like and what do we think we can offer that uh, people will love that they, they want to experience? And it's just a matter of like just getting out there and doing it, I think. And, uh, you know, there's billions of people on the planet. So, like, there's plenty of possible customers for a lot of different content that you could produce. But um, let, me, let me grab uh, Jordan real quick. Jordan, what's up? Hey, yo, how's it going, guys? Just dropping in here, checking out the space. Cool. Hanging out. Uh, any so comments or questions about anything these guys are doing? No, I mean, I, I like what they're doing because it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, they're they're tackling and, uh, you know, shooting for what actually and practically makes sense. Like we're not over here trying to make a, a large AAA game and you don't even have to, to to get adoption or make it fun. Right. Like one of the most fun games and one of my most favorite games to this day um, would have to be like the side scrolling Mario games. Um, and then also like Smash Bros and Smash Bros. I know Smash Bros has evolved over time um, and they made it more uh, complex. But the the essence of it, it's still like a side scrolling fighting game. You know what I mean? Like you could make a theoretically you can make an arcade uh, themed pixel like version of that. Right. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, and, and a lot of why the, a lot of why those games were designed that way was just like the technical limitations of the time. And that created a whole sort of medium of color and like 8-bit art and all that other business that, you know, you think of today, the nostalgic piece of that sort of puzzle. And, um, you know, this happens in the regular art world too, where, you know, um, like a great example in music would be, you can imagine like how different uh, music uh, was after a couple of major innovations of the last hundred years, which was like the electric guitar was one great example where, you know, a huge like shift in music happened because of this one instrument, uh, Jimi Hendrix and others, you know, that like, you know, brought on an entirely new sort of like paradigm. And then the next one in music was like, for example, the, uh, 
the electronic synthesizer, uh, you know, from mini Moog onward. And next thing you know, you have all the cool music that you have today. And uh, so like, yeah, these, these mediums change, um, the graphics change, but that doesn't mean like people don't enjoy like electric guitar still, even though it's old school, you know, there's still music with it. Uh, there's like even analog music right now is making a comeback as far as like synthesizers, like, you know, artists like the weekend, for example, are big on bringing back an eighties style sort of like analog synth sound, which is really cool. Uh, so yeah, a lot, lot of interesting nostalgic stuff happening, but I, I think, you know, once a like art form, like for example, side scroll in video games, or, um, and I think they're art forms basically like once those art forms are created, I think you will have people potentially uh, like building on those art forms like forever. Like there's probably still people doing cave paintings and shit today, even though like cavemen did this like, you know, tens of thousands of years ago. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, like a Banksy going out there and like throwing some, you know, paint on a wall. Um, you know, so there's a lot of this, I think, in gaming. There's, there's going to be room for um, utilizing sort of retro tactics, but there's also going to be entirely new thinking i think that's going to come around the nft uh crypto space and uh i'll know it when i see it like <laughs> i've been around long enough to be like it, i don't think it's fully there yet but like when the next big thing happens i'll probably miss it before it happens but after it comes out you're, it's going to be seem it's going to be one of those things that seem really obvious right like before <laughs> beforehand nobody can think of it but afterwards it seems obvious like this was inevitable that's kind of like how great tech sort of plays out ultimately and i think that's what will happen in this space uh, Krab, uh, did you have a comment question uh, to, for the guys here at uh, Arcade? I was just uh, going to say, like, I like what the team's doing full, uh, full through. I've been around enough stuff to see, like, if I see a team working and that keeps, uh, like, saying they're going to do stuff and they, that, like, they actually, like, succeed in doing it. It's like that, that's why I always look at a team. Like, I see many, many, many different NFT projects that say, "Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do this," and you're sitting there. After the mint, even when it's sold out, like we're going to do this and this, but a lot of times nothing ever happens. But it's like they keep doing stuff and surprising everybody, even myself, like doing more and more and more. There might be sometimes they might be quiet in the the Discord, but when they're not quiet, you could uh, you're just like, oh, I see why they they weren't why they were so quiet because they're working their ass off. So I mean, I, like I see a lot of uh, good stuff coming through this, and it's like small team, but they're they're busting their ass and to deliver on everything they say. Yeah. I, I think, uh, an My interesting, Thank you, bro. an interesting piece of this Thank puzzle, you, um, that, yeah, yeah. Great comments uh, for the gang. Uh, you know, I was going to say the interesting piece of this puzzle is if any of you guys were very deep into MMO communities of any kind, whether it's like Pat on RuneScape or myself in EverQuest or whatever, um, what you discover is that some of those times you had, playing those games, hanging out in chat, talking to people. I remember at the time it was IRC chat because, you know, like in-game chat sort of sucked back then. Uh, and, um, you know, the pe the friends you made and, and the people you kind of like uh, played with, you know, created memories like literally forever. Like there's things that we did back then, like even like 20 years ago that like I, I'm not sure I can replicate that experience in a, uh, again, because like those are specific people, specific friends, specific events. And, you know, like it's about creating memories, basically. And games create memories and they create a little bit of a deeper memory, a deeper experience than it, that that more interactive experience. Maybe some say addictive even like but a, a 
more interesting experience than say, for example, just watching a movie. Like I can't think of a movie to this day that I have as much like kind of like maybe dreams about or wish I could be involved with again as I did with some of the games I played. And I think that sort of hook that like that captures you and kind of pulls you in is what we all love about it. And you know, and if you guys have teams that you like, you know, you 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 think like well, you know, and I'm not saying like invest in any one particular thing or whatever, but like if you have teams that you like and you think that, uh, you know, they're going in a direction you, you'd like to see the gaming world go like, yeah, throw them some support. Like, you know, whether it's going out and buying a video game on a shelf at GameStop or something or, you know, uh, or, or playing an NFT game or whatever it is like, you know, if you support them, they'll do more things potentially. There's no guarantee of that, of course. And even in the like gaming industry over the past like 30 years, like if you guys can only imagine how much vaporware, you know, in the web, the web 1.0 world where like websites started forming, everybody and their dog like used to create some website about some amazing game they're going to create. And this is way before crypto, right? Like, you know, granted, they didn't take a whole lot of money from the public ahead of time. Uh, crypto kind of adds the possibility of rug pulls and stuff like that. So obviously, it's important to watch for teams that are executing and um, and building cool shit and like continue to do so. Uh, versus throwing away your money on teams that are doing nothing. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, good comments from the gang. Like, it sounds like people have been enjoying the games on arcade. Um, did I catch everybody on here, or do we miss Gotham here? I think. Or, or uh, go ahead, Gotham, you there? Hey guys, how you doing? Good. How you What's doing? up, man? What up, man? Sorry, I, I I actually came into this um, uh, just just as your. Uh, recounting the last 30 seconds there but uh i'd be interested in to in in hearing about you know um when it comes to blockchain gaming uh i think what's lost a lot of the time is uh what makes the what makes the game fun um because we we have a tendency to get lost in token economics and um how to make money off of this stuff um what's what are the things that arcade is doing to uh, make make this really fun and uh the you know that traditional right. mindset on it i guess right that's so funny you asked that because i was just about to chime in and, and offer this opinion as well because you know majority of this call we have um, or I wouldn't say majority of the call, but big points that we have touched on definitely have been the, uh, you know, opportunities to be able to earn, right? And um, we want this, we don't really want this to feel like a, like, friction Web3 experience, right? We want it to be as seamless as, as the games that we grew up playing, minus the blowing on cartridges and figuring out how to connect the cords to certain TVs and stuff <laughs> besides that whole thing. Uh, we you know, especially with our game development team, uh, we have very long discussions about how can we make this game actually fun, right? And make crypto and earning arcade token just an extra benefit. You can do it if you want, great. But that's not why people are going to stick around. Our favorite games, we didn't we didn't sit around and play Super Smash Bros. And, and Zelda because of all the money that we could, you know, there was no potential to earn money. And even when we maxed out all of our stars in Mario or, or uh, items in Zelda or whatever it is, we just restarted the game and we played again. So that's very important to us is the storytelling within the game, the different Easter eggs within the game, the different adventures that you can go on. 
and um, just different challenges that you can play. And then we do want to offer that community aspect to it too. So I think those two things is one, making the levels very entertaining and challenging. And then two, bringing in the community aspect. I think that's enough to create a game that will last very long-term where you're not really focused too much on making the money, but hey, if you want to, we'll offer that opportunity too. I think that's a, that's a great answer. Thank you. Cool, gang. Uh, I think we've been on just over an hour. Uh, Patrick, do you, have, do you guys have some maybe closing comments or uh, like kind of pitch where people have to go to play and what they need to do? Uh, yeah, appreciate the time. I mean, go ahead, Patrick, if you have... Oh, no, go ahead, Olaf, take it. You're good. Yeah, I was just going to say thank you for the time, Sefi. It's always great hopping on spaces with you. If uh, anyone's new to Arcade wants to learn about us, our domain our website is actually arcade.fun because at the core of it where you are like we're all great friends we're having fun with this we want our community to have fun so head over to arcade.fun check out the games that we do have uh they're games that everyone um grew up playing we're all familiar with uh snake asteroids you know those classic <laughs> mobile games uh Go read our white paper for our IDO. Our IDO is coming up in a couple of weeks here. I think registration is on the 29th and the whitelist sale is on September 5th. So if you want to read up on Arcade, all the utility of Arcade, check out our white paper. I tagged a few tweets as well. If you want to learn about the market cap, the numbers, the different ways you'll be able to earn and um, use Arcade within the Arcade itself. Uh other than that, thank you for the time. I don't have anything else on my end. Uh, we, if you want an 80s bull as well, check out the marketplace on our website, arcade.fun slash market. We've got the 80s bull on there, all inspired and all the attributes are inspired by the 80s. <laughs> so they're really cool. Uh, you'll you'll see read in the white paper all the holder benefits for holding an 80s bull. Um, so yeah, if you want to go snag one yourself, now would be a great time pre-IDO. <laughs> Because post IDO, that floor price is going to skyrocket. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> also, stars. Uh, for those unfamiliar, you can go ahead and go earn some stars right now. Oh yeah, how did um, I forget? Yep. Yeah, we have yeah, a giveaway. Ahead. Let me let me pin the tweet real quick so people can check it out. We have a giveaway for two thousand worth of arcade post IDO. So if you earn a hundred stars within our arcade now, before we reset the stars across the board and begin the transition to that play and earn experience you can uh earn a bit of a prize pool here i just pinned the tweet so if you want to check out all the details um the way to earn stars is hit different milestones within the arcade's current games uh uh the milestone or the high scores are all listed on the site so you could go check those out every time you hit that high score you're you'll earn a star Earn 100 stars, it gets you a lottery ticket within the raffle, and you can earn up to 10 lottery tickets there. So if you want to, you know, get uh, get ready for post-IDO, get, get some uh, training in, get your thumbs warmed up for a Super Bowl, <laughs> then you can go ahead and do that. And, you know, there's some rewards there as well. Yeah, sweet. Like, yeah, you, you guys are bringing kind of a really kind of cool sort of like community activity sort of oriented situation to the to the cadena ecosystem which you know a lot of ecosystems just don't have that at all like they have you know, there's some nft marketplace out there and such but like to 
like, you know, play with your crypto nerd friends <laughs> is not a thing on most chains. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, it's uh, great to see it happening. Yeah, good having everybody on. Hopefully uh, we can catch up another time and talk video gaming and uh, bullshit some more. <laughs> go check out their Definitely. stuff. Definitely. I'm about to go download EverQuest. <laughs> still running are the servers still running uh, yeah you know, the, uh, a short anecdote is that the only way i could quit playing that game was to sell my um video game character on ebay back oh, in the day man, yeah i had the record-breaking sale on ebay back in like 1999 or something wow so the, like the world record uh for the highest sold video game account at the time <laughs> This is wow. so like so. This was like crypto and NFTs before crypto and NFTs, right? Like I always That's tell awesome. this kind of story yeah. about how we used to, how we got shut down by eBay eventually, and uh, you know all of that. There's a whole saga there, so it's pretty. It's a pretty interesting story. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that. So I, 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 in other words, I'm very careful about uh, opening up EverQuest again because I know I'm gonna get sucked into that goddamn thing. <laughs> and you know how that goes. <laughs> I played EverQuest way too much. World of Warcraft's on again too. Well, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Everyone have a great day, and uh, we'll catch up another time. Right. Same with you, Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sending you over those. Appreciate the now, time, everyone. Sure. All right. Say later, guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was a CFI space discussing gaming, NFTs, GameFi, and Kadena with the boys from Arcade. Recorded on Monday, August fifteenth, two thousand twenty-two. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing All aggressive, insane from all directions Smoke blows in when I start a session Plink canvas, blaze up the handlers Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse But in the universe, I'm just writing some words Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead, or putting in new speakers It's a toss up, driver, or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling, less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble